Hello again from BSP headquarters. Well, home headquarters. Full disclosure, I've been recording and editing episodes in my basement for most of this year. Either way, you're currently listening to episode 26 of the Black Swamp podcast. Uh, This is where we've been giving you a chance to eavesdrop on conversations with Black Swamp artists and educators and throwing in some bonus content here and there. As always, feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and help spread the word to friends and colleagues. There's a lot of great uh, podcast content out there, whether you're into sports, uh, history, current events, politics, whatever. So we really appreciate you tuning into our series. Uh, if you have time and listen through Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating. The more stars, the better, as always. And you can also let other percussion lovers know about our show, as this all helps get our little podcast out to more potential listeners like yourself. So it's no secret that 2020 has been a difficult year for countless businesses, families, and individuals around the world. Uh, despite the struggles and sacrifices we've experienced as a company, we feel blessed to still be together and operating as a BSP family. Special thanks to our extended BSP fam, that's you. Your continued support and encouragement has kept us hopeful and motivated, meaning more this past year than any other. Um, this is our official final episode before the new year, so all the best as we head into 2021 together. Now, getting back to today's episode, Abby Fisher is a BSP concert artist and has established herself as a world-class performer, educator, and entrepreneur. Uh, Besides teaching and performing in the Knoxville area, Abby is the managing director of the Neef North organization and collaborates regularly with fellow BSP concert artist Matthew Lau, who happens to be halfway around the world in Hong Kong. Uh, The two perform as the Fisher Lau Project together. I especially enjoyed our conversation about being an entrepreneur, uh, which has been a topic that surfaced several times in our last few episodes. So here we go. All right. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hey, uh, Abby, how are you? Good. How are you, Tim? I'm good. Hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, We were just chatting before officially starting. Um, uh, We're working on a, like a virtual exhibit sort of for our website because we're not traveling to convention and shows and stuff so uh nathan shout out to nathan out there who helps produce the podcast but he and i have been working uh, pretty diligently on that stuff so it's it is kind of i am relaxed now when we started i was stressed <laughs> uh but it's cool to be able to sit down and chat with you um and kind of get away from that get in a different headspace here so yeah yeah um, thank you so much for having me i'm excited yeah. to have a little discussion here yeah um so for the last several podcasts, the opening topic is always kind of COVID in that era. Like, how are you, how are you doing? How are you handling that? Everything? Yeah. Overall, I'm doing pretty okay. Um, I feel like I'm lucky that I live where I do based on, um, you know, the weather really. And uh, I've been able to, and, and, and location, I've been able to, you know, take a lot of hikes this summer. And so I feel like, you know, I'm not having to stay in like a small apartment. People in New York City don't have a lot of options in terms of, you know, maybe getting out and about to, right. um, you know, outdoor locations. And so I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we have the Smoky Mountains here. And so um, hiking is somewhat new for me. I grew up in the Midwest, and so <laughs> I did not grow up hiking. Yeah. Um, but that's been something that 
um, I've been doing a lot with my boyfriend during COVID. And so he's been kind of like introducing me to more of that. Um, And so uh, I did a big hike this summer that uh, was like a goal for me to do. It's called Mount LeCant. And it was like, I forget how many miles it ended up being, maybe like 14 total in one day. And so that was an accomplishment. So doing things like that have like really helped kind of break up, you know, the monotonous um, Zoom meetings and (laughs) uh, like being on the computer the whole time because now, now all of my work is on the computer. Um, I'm teaching a lot of private lessons and um, my college teaching courses are all online. Um, so yeah, it's still really nice out here. And mm-hmm. so we're still able to like do a lot of things outside and have more space and go to nearby places. And yeah, I think that. that's actually a cool point. Uh, for instance, I was talking to Gloria Yahalevsky a couple episodes ago, and she, you know, lived in Chicago um, when everything started. And it was like, unfortunately, the opposite for her. She really couldn't, I mean, I'm sure she could go out and get essentials and stuff, but she was just like in her apartment for six weeks or whatever. Yeah. So I know that kind of took a just an emotional kind of toll. So unfortunately, we live in an area that, I mean, it's a neighborhood. But, um, you know, I got two girls and my wife and we were all, you know, everybody was, even my girls were furloughed from school, you know, uh, off school and my wife and I were furloughed. And so, yeah, we were fortunate to just go outside and go for a walk or we know there's parks in the area and there weren't a lot of people around or it's interesting when we first kind of shut down, uh, you know, you go outside and for a walk and you see people kind of come in the opposite direction, but on the same side of the street. And as you play this little game, like who's going to move first, like who's going to go right. over. And that's, we were definitely conscious of that. Like just, but also fortunate to like be able to go outside and get some fresh air and play in the yard and stuff like that. And not feel like we were kind of endangering our, ourselves or other people. So yeah. um, what, um, so like hiking, you got to get like new shoes, new hiking, a new hiking gear, new backpack, yeah. <laughs> like a, like a hydro flask and stuff. Like what's, what's yeah. involved in that? Yeah. I mean like, yeah, I had like no experience at all, you know, a year ago. And so, um, I, my first couple of hikes, I was just wearing my running shoes. Um, yeah. and so that I, I was like slipping a little bit and so i did were get you, hiking were you trying to run everywhere like when you were hiking you were, no no no, no. Okay. <laughs> i was you know just kind of barely making it along yeah. um and uh so yeah i did get hiking shoes which have been great and um and then also i did get the backpack that has the water right. um tube coming out and so you yeah. can like drink while you're going along um and right. so that's been good too because you stay more hydrated and sure. just feel better about your water intake so yeah it's yeah. a couple of little gear things but yeah no yeah. it's fun <laughs> it's fun um so teaching you mentioned you were like start you know obviously doing online stuff and then with school and private lessons like did that transition pretty smoothly or like yeah did you lose some private lessons or gain maybe gain some like how did that pan out yeah both actually um so i (laughs) i teach uh younger students um i teach uh through this local school in knoxville and i'm I'm teaching uh piano and percussion private lessons uh and so when we moved online you know at the end of march or whenever it was um like a lot of the students went with me to 
do try online. And some of them initially were just like, you know, this is, we're not, this is not going to work for us. We're just not interested in everything kind of crazy right now. And so I lost a couple students then, but throughout the summer, basically everyone stayed with me and a couple have dropped here and there. Um, and then when all of that happened in March, I was um, a little worried just about, um, you know, what was going to happen with uh, my college teach. I teach at a community college. And so I wasn't sure, you know, what was all going to happen with everything. And so right. I wanted to get a, a, some additional work. And so I looked for more prevalent teaching through this, through some online um, type uh, programs. Um, the one I'm teaching through is called OutSchool. And it's, um, uh, you know, an international uh, uh, teaching website. And so, um, there's, a, there's many, um, types of, uh, websites like this. I think another one is maybe Skillshare. Um, oh, okay. It's maybe more geared towards adults, but this one is like more for, uh, younger students and for like homeschool type parents initially. Right. And so, um, yeah, I like you apply and then you're teaching, you're possibly teaching students from all over the country or, you know, possibly in other countries, depending on the times that you post available. And right. so, yeah, it was just a good way for me to, kind of get some more students in um, to my schedule. And so I've been doing that as well since um, since March. And so I, I, you know, just post up what times I have available and then I'm just teaching them through Zoom, just like I would teach the students I have in Knoxville. Right. So that's been kind of the additional students that I've gotten yeah. recently. Um, so yeah. those are, those are, those extra students are in Knoxville also, or are you saying you could possibly teach somebody that's out of state or on the other side of the country or something? Yeah. And yeah, all those students through this other uh, teaching website um, are, they're, they're not in Knoxville, except I, I, we don't usually say like where we live. Oh, okay. Um, they don't have to tell me, you know, yeah. I don't have to tell them, but um, one of them I actually found out moved closer to where I live uh, just by happenstance, they were like, oh, we're moving this week and this is where we're moving to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're all over the country. Yeah, that's really interesting. What's the name of the that site or the one of the two of you are using? Yeah, what? that it's called OutSchool. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is totally new to me. That I mean, why why would why not? Like the digital right. age and like now everybody's used to using Zoom. Like why would you not, you know, like search out private instruction online and potentially mm -hmm. somebody that's across the country? Like, um, like are these students that are were possibly familiar with you or like knew about you or are they just like read your bio online yeah. and they're like oh this sounds cool I need I need to take some private lessons so Abby Fisher sounds like an awesome person I'm gonna start yeah, with her right now exactly yeah the yeah. latter so um, yeah, yeah there and it's it's also more younger students and so their parents are you know trying to find activity for them or they're they come into this website, you know, like I'm looking for music lessons or piano lessons or percussion lessons. And so they then search for that and they find me and um, other people can give me reviews. And so you get some good reviews and that builds okay. up your profile. And yeah, so it, it, I was sort of seeing the other route of trying to put um, on Facebook or something like, hey, I'm offering private lessons. And I saw some of my peers and some other people doing that. And I just didn't want to, um, you know, kind of put out into the community that we're already in, like, oh, here's more private lessons. Like, it, it just, I didn't think that I would um, gain more work that way because we're all teaching percussion. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so I wanted to kind of get 
to some other people yeah. um, that didn't have, you know, percussionists in their community. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Um, so you're teaching more lessons, you're hiking, like, is there anything else like, um, uh, like creative wise or other projects you're like, Hey, I've, I've wanted to do this. And now maybe I have some extra time. Is there anything that kind of, um, like spurred that type of creativity or, or interest in other projects? Yeah. Um, I mean, when it all started, when everything shut down, I wanted to, um, I recorded a piece on I recorded a piece on my own. And I hadn't really done that before. I recorded side by side the the multi uh, percussion piece, okay. um, and uh, that was an experience. And I'm I'm, I'm not skilled or knowledgeable in recording, and so I had <laughs> join, got some help from some friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I worked through that process, and um, you know, got some help from some friends, and, and yeah got that piece together up on YouTube. Um, and then also, um, Matt and I, we like, uh, sort of distance duo together and we, right. we recorded, um, our, some, some additional pieces with, um, you know, I would record my part and you record his part and we like, put them together. And so that was fun. And that yeah. was, it was really great to have that, um, to work on and work towards, especially in the beginning when it's like, you know what's going on when is this going to be over and obviously we still don't know but um you know i just like wanted something to work on each week and like to kind of like give to matt and him to give yeah. to me and have that feeling of community and and musicianship with each other um yeah yeah no it's it's smart i mean i uh, i mean i'm sure i've mentioned on the podcast before i like talking to people about um, I mean, I, yeah, I have zero recording experience. And so this was like, uh, really like learning, like we were talking before we officially started recording, like figuring out, out zoom and like when, and mics and stuff like that. And then, you know, I bought drum mics for myself, for my house. Like it's something I wanted to do. And I bought a, a decent interface. And fortunately, like Jamel back at the shop and Nathan, who I mentioned earlier, I think like they, they're more, you know, th and kind of in tune with recording and, and, mics and electronics and everything so they kind of helped me figure out where to plug them in you know and how to get sound and from you know my drum set into the computer and then back out into my headphones or whatever so um and i had a few kind of small projects one at church you know we were trying to do some like um like collaborations and stuff like from home different musicians and then my brother-in-law is a guitar player and so we were trying to collaborate a little bit and then uh it you know and then that's when i was not really working i mean i was basically working from home but just on a limited basis because we couldn't go in and manufacture anything um so i was i was doing what i could from home and then just kind of setting up mics and playing and doing stuff and then as i gradually we transitioned back into the shop and manufacturing that's kind of taking a little side sidecar there but it's fine it's at least now i have the knowledge and and like okay it's something that i could do and um, yeah. And if I, you know, when my girls are older and don't want to hang out with me so much, then I have something to fall back on. Maybe. Right. So, you um, got started. Like you, yeah. the oh, wheel yeah. started to turn on that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, um, uh, yeah. So before we get too much further, I guess, I mean, you mentioned Matt, I definitely want to kind of talk about your, your project together, Fisher Lau, um, uh, um, Neef North, which you're heavily involved in. And then of course your, um, kind of your other, other activities but before we do that like can you just sort of give me a bird's eye view of 
of how you got started like where you're from you mentioned earlier being in from the midwest like so kind of where you got grew up how you got involved in music you you teach piano lessons so obviously you are you have some experience there playing piano so yeah can you talk a little bit about uh the early years of abby fisher yeah um yeah, i'm from the chicago suburbs oh. and uh uh 30 to 45 minutes outside of chicago um Grew up playing piano, uh, started when I was five, and my dad would not let me and my sister quit. Um, that was not going to happen. So right. I, we played through high school, um, and I was never like an incredible pianist, but um, you know, definitely that's what helped me read music. I'm, I've always been able to kind of read, and I think that's what helped with um, playing marimba, like you know, people, you know, the mallets are down here, and you have to have your eyes up here, so that right. really helped um, having that piano background. And, uh, I, uh, got into percussion just through the band program in fifth grade. And, uh, soon after got, uh, had my first private lesson with a local percussionist in town, Joe Ludwig, not related to the <laughs> drum company, but unrelated, okay. unrelated, but a really great percussionist. He had done a lot of, um, uh, like shows, uh, had, I think he had traveled with some Broadway shows um, and he was now, he was then um, playing at this, we had a Marriott uh, hotel that had a, a theater um, that did musicals. And so oh, he sure. was the guy that always did the, the, the drum set parts for the musicals. Um, and so initially I was like, wow, I want to follow in Joe's footsteps and right. you know, be a Broadway musician. Um, so that was the initial <laughs> thought. The um, attraction, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And uh, one, the summer, um, maybe in junior year of high school, I went to Birch Creek for the symphony section. It wasn't the percussion part, but the symphony section. And um, it kind of hit me that you could play music all day and that like could be a job and that could, um, you know, be my life perhaps. Yeah. And that was when I decided that I wanted to go to school um, for, for me, for percussion. And I started, so you were in I, high school then? Yeah, I was in high school. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, it probably wasn't until my junior year that I was like, okay, well, like, let's start working on an audition and figuring all this stuff out. Right. Um, and yeah, uh, I hadn't really played a lot of four mallets and, um, yeah, I was kind of green to all of it. And, um, uh, uh really like, insanely thankful to Dane Richardson that I, you know, that he accepted me into the program at Lawrence and going to Lawrence was one of the best things that I've, I've done. Like just a really, really hard program that pushed me so much, but I learned so much from Dane. Um, and yeah, so then went to Lawrence, studied there. And um, from there uh, ended up going to living in Toronto for a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, so. and studied with Beverly Johnston mm -hmm. uh, for ma mainly w took lessons with her there. Um, she's been a huge inspiration to me. She, I, I first saw her um, mostly do the speaking and percussion and like theatrical type right. pieces, um, and that really sparked a huge interest in me. And um, yeah, I've been very inspired by her work. I, I think the only way I know her name, did she present at PASIC a couple of years ago or am I thinking of somebody else? Um, no, I'm sure she, she did. Yeah. She's presented a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, 
so that's uh, more like you were saying uh, like speaking and percussion or more like kind of theater per not theater like musical theater but like kind of theatric percussion somehow yeah what, yeah how would... yeah uh, i would say yeah th um theatrical percussion yeah. um and, is that and... A thing did i just make that up or is no that a that's a thing that's a yeah that's a term <laughs> okay. There's different ways to uh, call it, um, but uh, speak, uh, speaking percussion is sometimes what I call it, or um, theatrical percussion may, is maybe a little more far when you're kind of acting a little bit, or right. it requires some some more acting in the piece. Um, but yeah, she definitely turned me onto that, and uh, it was amazing to study with her. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So, how then, did you end up in Toronto? Just. Um, yeah, I I started my masters there. Oh, okay. So that was the the trajectory from Lawrence to right. Toronto, and then I moved to New York after Toronto, and um, was at NYU for uh, my. That's where I finished my master's at NYU, right. and then yeah. from there I went to Stony Brook. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting, and uh, and not not afraid to to move around it all either like how how did that kind of like how do you you figure out okay i want to go to nyu like from lawrence to toronto like you went to toronto specifically to study with beverly then mm -hmm. and that um and then what drew you to nyu and and kind of wanting to to go from one big city uh to another i had always like wanted to live in new york that i mean that's a dream for a lot of musicians i think to right. you know experience that and see what it's all about um i think uh, initially i was drawn to the broadway aspect of it and i had gone to the uh, they have a broadway music seminar and i'd done that when i was younger right. um but by that point i think i was kind of n not so much um, going on that path. Uh, but, um, yeah, the, I had, I had decided that Toronto wasn't exactly for me, like the, I didn't totally love living in that city. It just, mm. at that, that point in my life, it wasn't the right vibe. Sure. Um, and yeah, so I was, I had previously, uh, auditioned in, uh, for the NYU program. And so I was able to move into that program. Uh, to finish up my master's. And um, I studied with James Separito. He's uh, one of the percussionists for the New York City Ballet. Okay. And um, also the, yeah, uh, um, another, another amazing experience of studying with Valerie Naranjo. Um, right. She's with the, obviously, uh, Saturday Night Live. Right. And she wrote the, the book for um, 
the the percussion for Lion King and you know just incredible um, musician overall. Yeah. And John, Jonathan Haas is there, and so yeah, just um, you know wanting to have some more of those experiences and living in New York. Um, was another big draw and getting all of the experiences of what that has to offer. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, is, so is, is that where you met Matt then? Or did you meet Matt yeah. at Stony Brook? Okay. Yeah, he, uh, I think he had already finished up his degree or he was getting like an artistic diploma or something like that. Right. Um, uh, but we definitely, you know, uh, played a little bit together, uh, but didn't form our duo until Stony Brook. Okay. Um, so how'd you end up in Knoxville then? Um, once I finished up, uh, at Stony Brook, um, Andy, um, asked if, uh, yeah, if he, he offered this, this, um, incredible opportunity to me. Um, he was going on sabbatical, uh, or some sort of leave, uh, because he was having his daughter oh, and, okay. um, if I would move down there and I had just, I was going to be finishing up that, um, spring with my degree and so then i was able to come down um and then i just ended up staying <laughs> so i'm <laughs> still awesome. here so yeah. so you filled in for andy when he was on sabbatical to yes. teaching okay mm-hmm. yeah. um and i mean i guess like how, is that's obviously how you got involved in neef north and what so like i mean we don't have to what's your title at at neef north then like what's yeah, your well, position there or Actually, can, I'll, I'll backtrack a little yes, bit. Yes, please go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, I forget when exactly what year, but I don't know. It was uh, 2015. Um, I wrote to Andy and I said um, I would love to intern with Neef North um, if this is an option. Um, and he was he wrote back and was great and said yes, come on down this summer. And so that was when I was still in school. Um, and I had, I, I didn't really know him all that well and had never been to Neefnarf, um, but I had heard really great things about it. Uh, so then I intern, I had an internship with Neefnarf and then the end of that internship, that was when I sort of came on as, um, originally the title was the director of operations. Right. Uh, and then that was in, yeah, that was in, in 2015. Um, and then that, that, that job, that title morphed into managing director. And so the um, filling in for him at UT was after that, was like two years after that. So, um, you know, our relationship started from this internship into a more uh, larger position with Neef North and then right. into um, filling in for him at UT. And then, you know, we're, obviously we're still uh, working together through Neef North. So for our listeners at home, can you explain what Neef North is because i probably won't do it just i mean obviously i know <laughs> it started okay i'm gonna try to do it justice right now <laughs> uh it, i mean i started as a more of a like percussion uh festival not a festival but like a, a camp i think like uh and then uh, quickly grew just from knowing andy and knowing how he operates quickly grew to like encompass other other instrumentalists and then composition and collaboration stuff like that can you kind of explain more fully what you've known yeah yeah that's definitely part of it um and uh i wasn't involved in the initial years but um also it wasn't just a festival they were also performing group and the performing group just like you said uh, the festival was initially percussion based because the um the faculty were you know were percussionists and then they brought on 
you know, uh, other instrumentalists and composers to be involved with the faculty of the summer program. The initial performing group was uh, percussionists, and then that expanded as well. So, okay. um, yeah, and initially they were performing as a um, percussion kind of ensemble, and then expanded that to include other performers too. Um, and so, yeah, uh, contemporary based um, ensemble and uh, summer program. Um, uh, and we also have community outreach aspects um, and uh, we're um, continuing to look into expanding now kind of our online offerings as we're moving forward into this year, especially um, with right. things being a little bit uncertain. We have not opened applications for the, for the summer, but we're hopeful um, and we're you know, in a little bit of a waiting uh, process right now to see what's going to happen. Right. But uh, hopefully, you know, we're going to open something up soon, whether that's in person or an online right. program. Can you talk, uh, the community outreach was interesting and something I didn't realize was part of NIFNORF. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what's involved? Yeah, um, there's a, a local school in Knoxville called Joy of Music. And um, we almost every year that I've been involved with the program, uh, with Niefnorf, um, we've gone to this school and presented um, a class basically for these, for the kids that come in to the Joy Music. And um, the, the kids that come into Joy Music, they're offered free music lessons through the Joy Music. And so um, uh, they're offered free music lessons like throughout the year, it's just part of what the Joy Music offers. And so then we're coming in, we're offering, you know, additional um, uh, a free uh, kind of session mm -hmm. talking about, um, you know, the kind of music that Niefnorf uh, um, puts on. Um, and we specifically talked about, um, uh, forgetting the word, um, uh, music, escaping. drums, <laughs> percussion, uh, xylophones, uh, guiros. Am I making it worse right now? <laughs> All, all of those things. Um, the, the scores that are drawn out. Oh, okay. Uh, it'll come. It'll like come graphic. Gra there we go. Graphic. Nice. Graphic scores. Graphic notation. And yeah, yeah. the the students that came to this this class, um, they created their own graphic scores. And oh yeah, we, cool. You know, we 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 showed them, um, you know, different examples of you know, famous graphic scores and how graphic notation works. And we played yeah. a couple a couple excerpts of different pieces. And then when they drew their own big graphic score together, then we played that piece. And so oh, yeah. um, we've been doing kind of different programs like that for this Joy Music School throughout yeah. the past couple of years. So that's during the, the festival then? Or that, that... Yeah, that's during the okay. festival when some of our other faculty are in town and we bring yeah. along a couple of fellows too. And so they've gone to experience doing that as well. How old are the students? Kind of varying. They're var yeah, varying. Like some of them are really little. Like yeah. there can be like a three-year-old in the room um, <laughs> all the way to like, you know, 12 or 15 years yeah. old. Yeah, what a cool experience that I like when I was that age I, the thought of like a graphic like score or like drawing basically making art but then sort of somehow performing that musically like would have been mind-blowing like yeah yeah like this it, like drawing that you made can actually be sound yeah for sure so yeah. what a what a cool experience for them um 
So is there anything outside of the normal kind of seminar or annual seminar that Niefnorf does or, or is it concentrated kind of in this, I, I don't know if it's like a two or three week kind of annual seminar? Um, I mean, definitely the summer festival, to the two week long summer festival is our main event for the year. Uh, but we, uh, as an ensemble, we, um, you know, are, have been trying to perform various mm -hmm. times throughout the year. Um, another event that we have that is more community-based has been Unsilent Night. And that has been like a Knoxville community-based event that happens in, uh, it's not, it's not just a Neef North thing. Um, uh, it's this, this score, this piece that was written by Phil Klein and it happens in various parts uh, throughout the country, I think even throughout the world. Um, and uh, you, you get a group together and so it can be musicians, non-musicians, anyone that wants to do it. And um, you're all playing different tracks, um, different like recordings that all fit together. Um, and you're walking throughout the downtown or wherever part of the, you know, wherever location that you want to meet up with the people in your town. Mm -hmm. um, and um, you're playing these, um, this, this music, these different tracks from boom boxes, from speakers, even you can do it from your iPhone if, if you need to. Right. And it's creating this, all of this sound, all of this noise throughout the streets. And so then you walk in like a clump together um, and you know, you're, you're being silent, but you're, you're holding the speaker and. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, and we've done we've done that every year, and it's really great. And we're always trying to get more and more people to join right. us. Is that something that the public's involved in, or is it largely like musicians or like new, you know new music aficionados like yourself? Um, it it has been more. I mean, we want the we want everyone to be involved. Uh, so more and more each year, we've been getting more uh, just uh, community members uh, who you know find out about it through us advertising that this is an event to, to join in um you know you don't you all you need to do is hold a speaker hold a boombox so you don't need <laughs> right. any musical skills right um so yeah it is a great event for the community and just the gen the you know the public at large yeah is there is there a lot of is there a fair amount of participation in it that just um, seems like an like an interesting project for kind of a city like yeah yeah there city. there has been uh it, it kind of varies each year depending on um, like the temperature <laughs> and oh, the yeah, weather. Sure. So if it's yeah. like kind of like rainy, which it can be in Knoxville in the winter, then, you know, less people are going to come out, but there, there, you know, there has been years where it's been really great. Cool. Um, so, I mean, we, you're, you're working with, you're very active in Eve North. Obviously you're, you have your own teaching and, and lessons going. You're collaborating with Matt Fisher Lau. Like, can you, Kind of one of the main things I wanted to talk about was like that entrepreneurial ship. Is that another word I made up? Or <laughs> entrepreneurism? Entre <laughs> are you an, entre real. an entrepreneurialite? <laughs> um, basically, like kind of like you've built a, a career like uh, of sort of directing or managing ensembles, like performing and teaching. And is there is there anything you can kind of talk about of, of how maybe not how that transpired or what kind of like you have to think through when you're, when you're doing that, because, because obviously, I mean, uh, you know, going to school and learning to play and, and learning to teach is important, but also you have to have skills that are more entrepreneurial, I guess, um, or just how to, 
how to be organized and and have kind of these skills and habits that maybe translate to kind of bigger picture type stuff. Yeah, um, I think being uh, very self-driven and being a really organized person um, and like always wanting to push forward um, and like wanting to kind of reach for the next goal um, and, you know, not feeling content to just stay in this comfortable place is uh, how I've always been um, when I was in school. And now when I'm out of school, that's just the kind of person that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but uh, <laughs> maybe I mean, but I know. Yeah. I hope I'm not like but, sort of making that no, up. But. I, no, I think it is, it is kind of what I guess we are as musicians who um, do a bunch of different things. So it makes sense Right. That, you know, putting that word to it is, is, you know, a, a, it totally makes sense. I just haven't really done that. Uh, Cause yeah. you know, I do have a lot of different uh, ways that I make money and it, this, the, the income isn't just coming from, you know, this one job. So it's coming from a couple different places. And so sure. to organize all of that and to, you know, stay on track and then to also keep pushing in um, creatively you know, and a lot of times the creative part of it is is not what is making the money, but that's the part that, you know, you want to also keep striving for right? Um, and keeping all of that um, organized and moving forward in a, in a way that makes sense is, can be a struggle for a lot of people, including myself. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, uh, we, we love our Google Docs at, at work. It's kind of a running joke of ours. Like we have Google Docs for our Google Docs sometimes. And um, but yeah, it's it is kind of similar even in manufacturing. I mean, we are we are a team of trained percussionists and musicians, and um, so so we l- like to perform and we like to create, but yet we're also trained woodworkers and also we don't have what we're not is uh, trained businessmen (laughs) so we have people you know we have a a financial advisor and we have a bookkeeper that have really kind of locked those things in for us over the last 10 plus years but so there's still this kind of creative aspect to our team like Jamel who's our uh, VP of operations and myself and obviously Eric who's the, the founder and president like like we have, especially Eric, have these crazy, like creative ideas. And even some other members of the team, like Kyle and Nathan, like they hate, they'll bring stuff to us and be like, hey, could we do this? And so we have to like kind of figure out, we have to organize those things and be like, okay, what what's kind of valid? What fits inside of our uh, the, kind of the scope of our of our company? Like um, what's too far outside maybe, or what what isn't really going to make money? Like, unfortunately, that's something we have to think about. So we'll kind of kind of pointing ourselves in these different directions where we have a creative outlet, but also, you know, fits inside our, our manufacturing capabilities and also fits inside our economic capabilities, like what's feasible financially. So um, yeah, it's interesting to hear like that, like on the more performing and teaching and kind of administrative world, it's fairly similar. Like you're trying to balance your creativity with also how am I bringing in, uh, money <laughs> how am i making money how am i how am i uh, sort of supporting supporting myself so yeah what, um 
I mean, I didn't take business marketing classes and that's what I'm doing pretty much every day. Like, did you take any type of business class in school or did you have any, any training or is it on the job? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, almost entirely on the job. And uh, that's something that I, you know, really wish that had been more a part of a performance degree or three sure. performances deg degrees that I had. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that that is going to become more a part of what university students who are getting performance degrees have to go through now. And, and I yeah. think a lot of, uh, you know, the professors that we're friends with are, uh, you know, thinking about these things and are, even if it's not part of the degree, they're, you know, implementing some of these ideas into their programs, which is, right. which is great. Um, I think I took some music business class and it was like, let's make, um, you know, business cards. And <laughs> like, this is what the top of your resume can look yeah, like. Yeah. And it was just like stuff that, you know, anyone could figure out and it wasn't actually like, you know, business tools yeah, and sure. things that could really, you know, help someone out once they leave the school bubble. Yeah. Um, but I, I have been doing some Zoom classes um, this semester, um, obviously, instead of going out to some colleges and universities. And um, I've been talking to students about different skill sets that they can think about, um, you know, building up now while they're in school and right. different opportunities that they can take while they're, while they're in school and, and sort of moving to while, once they leave school, um, just based on my experiences that I've gone through, yeah. um, whether that's as simple as, you know, really striving to get that teaching assistant position so that you gain that experience, you know, making sure that you go to a, a grad program or a, a DMA program that has teaching assistantships because some of them don't and some of them do. Mm. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of a simple one. Uh, but also like apply for, um, you know, to, to present at different conferences while you're still in school, like don't wait to do those kind of kind of things. Once you're out of school, like uh, start to get outside of the school bubble right. while you're still in it so that you still have all that security um, but you're still pushing for those opportunities and you're still pushing to make some of those connections before right. you you leave it. What kind of, I mean, not to get too specific, but I mean, are these like MEA conventions, like music educator conventions, like that kids, not I say kids, but college students or somebody that's still in that school bubble, like you're saying, like could, could present it or are there other, are there other uh, conventions or festivals and stuff? Like where would you kind of, Suggest. Yeah, I think definitely those that you just mentioned, um, even like starting if someone has never applied for anything and it's just so overwhelming, even just a day of percussion uh -huh. and, you know, the local day of percussion and starting out really small and developing sure. some sort of like masterclass idea that they would do for that. Yeah. Um, or, uh, you know, developing some sort of community workshop class that could eventually lead to something larger that they could apply to present at something but just sort of cr creating something that isn't for a school project um that could turn into uh something larger i think is is, is important and kind of uh, more of the opportunities that i wish i had started to work on when i was maybe still an undergrad right. um and i had definitely started doing those things um, later in my later degrees, but you know, there's no reason why students can't 
start to think about their future earlier on. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point. I mean, I, uh, I have two performance degrees myself and I never, like I mentioned, I never took a, a business or marketing class. And the reason I'm working at Black Swamp now is because I, Eric, I'm on the, we're on the west side of Michigan. So the Lake Michigan Lakeshore. And, um, you know, I was going to school on that side of the state and Eric kind of moved over there and was growing the business on that side of the state and was like, I need somebody to help. And he went, you know, he knew who my professor was from playing together. And I just got suggested as somebody literally come in four or five hours a week and assemble tambourines or, or assemble castanets or package stuff or whatever. And it just kind of went from there. And when I was going to grad school at the University of Akron, I kept in touch with Eric and uh, he basically asked me to come back and work full time. And it was like, oh, okay, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> He's like, well, we're a manufacturer, so you'll keep doing that. But I, you know, we need to start working with our, our customers, our dealer base more and, and work on marketing. So basically that's stuff that I gradually took on as the business grew like building artist relation program and i don't know if you've heard of facebook and instagram they're kind of popular now <laughs> they're all you know how you know building those those uh, you know those social media outlets and stuff like that so and it's like i would just i we go to conventions and i would see what's yamaha doing you know what's vic firth doing oh my gosh like vic i loved everything still do everything vic firth does like with our online presence and their educational materials and their just their crazy hashtags they come up with and all the, the you know the content that they come up with so um uh, you know how do you i think it's great that you're like encouraging kids to think about that before they get out of school and even if they don't are they aren't taking the classes maybe some of it will be integrated in in, in their degree or having conversations with their professor or if they're putting themselves out there and like networking, like you're saying, like mm -hmm. starting to make those connections with other musicians or other people that are, are in the business and kind of see how it works. So when they get out of school, they're not like totally overwhelmed and stressed out. And um, so, yeah. And that's your, so those are classes that you're presenting now are available to, to present to schools and universities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, to what you just said yeah you had this opportunity that was given to you but you obviously did a great job with it and you know you didn't let it kind of just falter away <laughs> and know. then that then that connection you know reached back out to you mm -hmm. um and that that's amazing that's like you know what this is all about like sure. taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you and also like looking out for those opportunities and you know reaching for them and um, yeah. Not just kind of like sitting around like twiddling your thumbs, like, oh, I practiced all these hours and like I'm doing, I, I can play all these things. Like, why aren't things like coming my way? But yeah, look at, looking for those opportunities and yeah. going going for them. I had a another recent conversation with MB Gordy, who's a uh, like a session percussionist and musician out in Hollywood, like California, does a lot of movie and TV like film uh, scores and stuff. And we were kind of talking about that same thing that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, if I, well, I do presentations at school, sometimes kind of little show and tells and, and kids that are, are interested in pursuing manufacturing or getting, getting into the manufacturing, you know, industry, uh, you know, the, how oh, you're really, you know, lucky that you, 
you know, could play and then you're working for Black Swamp. And I'm like, well, I, I guess so, but, but I'm also, I also worked hard, <laughs> you know, like, and I was sort of that opportunity presented itself because I totally applied myself and I was recognized as someone that would, you know, my professor at the time was like, yeah, this guy works hard and he is motivated and whatever, you know, all these great qualities, I guess, I don't know, like, and, and he will, you know, he would work out. And then, yeah, I totally, Eric and I connected and then um, it, yeah, totally grew from there. But it's not like, it's not like I just walked into Black Swamp one day and was like, oh, I'd love to work here. Like it kind of, kind of morphed into this position. And um, so, yeah, you uh, actually, MB had this really awesome story about uh, Patrick Swayze and uh, making, making, uh, not basically making your own luck, but I'll, you can listen back to that. All you, everybody at home, uh, listen back to that awesome Patrick Swayze story. Um, okay. So, uh, entrepreneurial ship, um, is there anything you kind of have on going on now that's outside of what we've talked about? Like any, any projects, activities, um, things that you of note that you want to share? Yeah. Um, I, was a local a local string quartet um they're called inner voices string quartet they reached out to me uh to perform with them uh at some outdoor concerts and first that it was just like incredible to have the opportunity to uh you know play concerts during this time um, uh, and, you know yeah. do it do it safely and so um a couple maybe it was like a month ago now or a couple weeks ago now we had those two concerts um you know outside and uh, we're, that we're also lucky with having Knoxville weather that we can, you know, continue to play outside. It's like, it's going to be like 80 today, which is crazy. Uh, um, yeah, it's even, I mean, for Michigan, you normally we're in the 40s right now and it's going to be mid 70s, which is. Oh, nice, okay. But... <laughs> so today is a warm day everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to so, last, but. Right. <laughs> uh, but we're going to record this. I'm going to record the piece that I played with them. Um, it's called uh, First in Flight. Uh, the composer is Dosia McKay, and um, she's actually a local Knoxville composer as well, which is great. Um, so just having the opportunity to, you know, to play with a group because I've been, you know, practicing so much on my own or kind of doing this long distance thing with Matt, um, right. actually play in person with people um, and, you know, for them to reach out and they're really great players. So that was, that was really um, exciting and fun. Uh, and then I've also just been, um, working on a couple of new pieces myself. Um, uh, two, two of them, um, Purity by Molly Joyce is a brand new vibraphone piece that, that Molly wrote. And then Remember Marimba, which is kind of hard to say, Remember Marimba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Entrepreneurship with Remember Marimba. <laughs> yeah, by uh, Erilyn Wallen um, is a marimba piece. And so um, those are two new pieces I was kind of working on this summer. And yeah. uh, hopefully I'll record them this year, uh, that's kind of a goal of for me to you know to record these new pieces, but also kind of figure out the whole recording process yeah. uh, again. <laughs> <Relearn>. <laughs> well, you know, to yeah. continue working yeah, on yeah. my re recording. Yeah. Uh, so this is you know be would be released kind of uh, piece by piece, or you're yeah, you just yeah, with? just YouTube uh, videos. Um, it is uh, you know looking ahead, it, I, it is a kind of a dream or wish list, bucket list to uh, release a, a record, a, you know, a whole record. Mm -hmm. um, but that is, you know, 
not set and kind of up in the air on what yeah. would actually be on that. So sure. Yeah. No. Uh, fun. I mean, it's great. You're, you're, these opportunities are kind of popping up again. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, one thing um, I might be springing on you a little bit is um, as far as diversity is concerned and obviously being, you know, a female in the industry, I mean, are there any, uh, is there anything that you could comment on for like females working young um, percussionists in the working their way into the industry? Like, is there any, um, like, uh, anything you thought would be interesting to share or worth kind of commenting on as far as diversity is concerned? I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking for specific challenges or access to grind or anything like that, but just maybe some encouragement or like thoughts or um, comments there. Yeah, I think um, when I was going through my undergrad, uh, I, uh, you know, I was one of the few percussion or the few female percussionists in my studio. Um, but there, there were a couple around. And so that was, that was great that I wasn't alone. Um, right. But I think less, uh, less so than being a woman. Um, it was just, I wasn't, as confident in my own abilities um, and I needed to, you know, gain more confidence in myself and sure. in my playing. Um, and so as I grew up and as I, you know, practiced more and as I got better and, you know, became to know more about myself and who I was just as a person and as a player right. um, that, you know, just became stronger. Like, you know, my confidence grew and, um, yeah, I think that that just goes for everyone. It, mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be um, a woman or a man, right. or or an, or any type of person. Um, so I think just as I became, you know, more sure of myself, and as I practiced more, and you know, listened to my professor more, and um, you know, listened to trusted individuals more, and, and right. you know, learned more and gathered more information. Um, and just grew, um, I gained more confidence and that's kind of, uh, how I feel like I established myself as a person. Yeah, no, I think that's also a very good point because even when, when you mentioned that before, um, even, you know, you had some piano experience, but maybe you felt like you were lacking in some areas when you got into, uh, music school, mm -hmm. like. I had absolutely, or I guess you mentioned four mallet experience. You didn't have a lot of experience. I barely had experience with two mallets, to be honest. Like when I, when I got into undergrad, uh, you know, I had a lot of drumline experience. I had a lot, of, I played a lot of timpani in high school, um, you know, snare drum accessory stuff. I, I was pretty confident on, but even, but, you know, back when I was a kid, you know, in high school, all we really had to learn were some scales and, um, maybe learn the Star Spangled Banner or something, you know, something, you know, God bless America on, on the bells, whatever. Like yeah. we, we didn't, there wasn't a lot of expectation when I was in high school to play, to play mallets. And, and I mean, even at that time, the most of the stronger mallet players were, were women. So I think there was, or, uh, there was sort of like, uh, you know, there may be some implicit bias there like oh well I'm I'm a guy I'm a boy so I'm going to gravitate towards things that I can hit loudly yeah. or play loudly or whatever so when I got into school um, 
music school, like, oh my gosh, I had to, I felt so far behind, like just learning scales and two mallet stuff and yellow after the rain and and then getting into rhythm song, like learning how to hold mallets, four mallets and stuff. So um, uh, yeah, it, it took me a long while to, to gain any type of confidence, like playing mallet stuff. So yeah, just sort of that constant practice and performing and then being around when I got into graduate school, just being around undergrads that could play circles around me, like play ballads, you know, stuff or circles around me. So that was very like kind of motivating too, to kind of keep mm-hmm. pushing myself and growing. Um, so yeah, all super cool. Uh, so how can people find you, Abby? I, I mean, I, I know, don't, please don't give out your address right now, your physical street <laughs> address, but like, how can they find you online? Like, yes. if, like, especially like, you know, the, you know, for teaching purposes or following you on YouTube when you start releasing videos and stuff like that. So how, how can people find you? Yeah. Um, I have a website, abbyfisherpercussion.com. Um, and that links to pretty much everything that links to my YouTube, uh, page. And if you want to search me on YouTube, you can search Abby Fisher Percussion. Um, and on my website, I have a contact form, so you can feel free to reach out to me that way, Mm -hmm. um, for, any questions yeah cool so uh abbyfisher.com abbyfisherpercussion.com yeah yeah awesome well i again i appreciate you taking some time to have a conversation i always i always say this almost every time like i always learn new things about um our artists and educators when we have you know have these conversations so i always appreciate that and thanks for the support you and matt specifically are like um doing awesome things and have been really generous with like providing content and collaborating on stuff with us so i really appreciate that and then good luck with everything else you have going on and just keep us keep us up to date yeah thank you guys so much for your support and yeah thank you so much for for being there for us yeah cool so we'll talk soon Yep. Thank you. Yep. This has been a BSP production, recorded and produced out of the Black Swamp Percussion Facilities in Zealand, Michigan. Audio and production assistance by Nathan Coles. Intro and outro music by Adam Hopper. Music sprinkled throughout the episode was performed by Abby Fisher.